This is the Kamloops Insider with Parker Bennett. For the first time, we've integrated the podcast and the vlog simultaneously <laughs> so that we can optimize our podcasting experience. The viewer's pleasure. For the viewer's pleasure. All right. Welcome to the Kamloops Insider podcast. And today we have a pretty interesting, we're going to have a good conversation about how to hire a home inspector. And it's something that's been fairly dear to my heart for the past 12 years because I spent a number of years in that industry. And so kind of what I want to iron out today is if, if, if you're buying a house or selling a house, um, even if you're a realtor in that transaction, what... What should we be aware of? Like, what, what does the home inspector do? What's their scope and what's their expectation in comparative to what, uh, like, our expectation would be? Right. So that's our conversation. That's what we're going to talk about today. Except for we hear a funny noise. I know what it is. What? Can I move and get up and fix it? Yeah, go up here, fix it. <laughs> what's, the, what's the deal? Is that what it was? Yeah. Okay. Welcome back to the podcast. <laughs> we had some technical difficulties. We're, we're, we're through that now. Okay. Let's start by, let's start by introducing. Okay. Who are you? I'm Philippa Thiessen. Welcome. Uh, thanks. And? And I'm Alejandra Carroll, Ali, for short. And I am Parker Bennett. And we are here at the Royal LePage 800 Seymour video booth <laughs> um, doing our podcast this morning and can you scream your name out? Emma Papalotter. You can look back because they can see you. <laughs> <laughs> Emma's here. She's been, so we've had this discussion before we got going on this about market conditions for 2018 and comparative to what we were seeing this time last year. So I just thought maybe we would scramble and deviate from our current topic just to quickly educate uh, viewers on what happened this time last year compared to this year. Our median house price in 2017 at this point in time was $418,000. And just to give you some information on what a median house price is, because a lot of people assume it's like the average, but it's far from the average. Um, assuming, just to make it simple, if there were three houses that had sold in an entire year and you were trying to figure out the median house price, if one sold for 100,000 and one sold for 100 million and another one sold for 250, the median house price would be 250,000, not a cumulative average of the three divided by three. So in saying that, 418, it's a better number because you can get skewed numbers when you have multi-million dollar houses selling or if you have a lot of low-end properties selling, it could skew that average. Right. And and this year? 435. 435.5. Yep. Which is somewhat of a, I think we figured this out, 4 uh, Just about 4%. 4%. About a 4% increase uh, over this time last year. Now, I also did like an average uh, sale price compared it from last year to this year, and it was more like 8.5%. So, but that also uses skewed information, which is why we're giving you the, the drop on the median house price. 
So that's what's going on. And in front of us, we have the board here, which kind of indicates everything that we already knew, which is that there are less listings this year than last, last year over that previous year, um, and slightly more sales at a higher price per unit. Right. Any surprises? No. Not really. No. So, okay, now that we know what the market was doing, I really wanted to get in that in there, but I scrambled that on purpose just to shake you guys up a bit. Let's dive back into <laughs> our conversation. It's okay. the morning, Monday morning. It's Monday morning, Come on. so like kind of all over the place. Um, let's let's jump back into how to hire a home inspector. Okay. So, the first thing I thought we'd talk about is kind of the scope of work that a home inspector, um, the conditions that he's under or she, because there is a female home inspector in Kamloops. Um, Basically, back when the day when I was a home inspector, you had to be a member to an association and associations had the scope of work, which was completely and 100% based on what they were going to be liable for, mm -hmm. which isn't really the best way to give an industry a scope of work. Because basically, the insurance companies are choosing how best can you do a home inspection without being legally liable for anything? Okay. So, and that's my opinion, and that is a true opinion coming from a past home inspector. Not licensed anymore, but was for at least a decade. So that's how I saw it. And the scope of work basically that they're under is very realistic in that they, they can't break or tear down or uh, see through walls or imagine what is going to happen to a furnace in the future. Yeah. But the scope of work is sort of in such a manner that it's based on a performance evaluation in a present time, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. That's how I used yeah. to kind of describe it to my clients when, when I was doing home inspections was, we're going to do a home inspection for you and it's based on, it's a performance-based evaluation today and we're gonna test things on how they work under today's conditions, but not to take away the fact that it's not a code compliancy evaluation. And there's a really good reason why an inspector wouldn't be checking for code during a home inspection. Because based on the era of the home, it would only have to have met its code compliancy for the year for that, that it was time. constructed in. <clears throat> right. Yeah. So yeah. evaluating a house uh, that was built in 1956 and saying that that wouldn't be code compliant wouldn't be really relevant information. Yeah, yeah. But it would be based on how is it working today and do we suspect deficiency moving forward, um, whether it be a life safety issue, usually electrically kind of wraps around that, um, whether it's a functionality issue, maybe it's not working to the best of its ability, um, or is there going to be a big expenditure coming um, for the buyer of that the home buyer, yeah. based on what the home inspectors found? So right. in general, that's the scope of work that an inspector should be kind of relying on, and it should be well understood from a real estate perspective and also from a buyer um a buyer's perspective going into home inspection, assuming those are the conditions that they're going to work under and, and that's what their expectation is. 
Now, I would get phone calls when I was an inspector that would happen eight, nine, ten months later that would, where a client would tell me that there was a sink that leaked, and it leaked the day they, they moved into the house, but didn't leak on the day of inspection because there's a time frame there, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So there, there should be some understanding from a buyer's perspective that the conditions could change from the date of inspection to the date of possession. And in some cases, like that could be three, four months. Yeah. And if it's a vacant house, look out because a lot of things dry up, seals dry up and faucets and taps and they can, they can leak. Right. Um, another one that, that, that happens a lot would be if a washer doesn't stay in the home and you touch the, the 30 year old valve to shut the water off, to remove the washing machine and it leaks and maybe the person's not really paying attention or maybe they just don't care and away there goes their washing machine and then you have a, a steady drip, drip, drip for the new buyer, the tragic situation, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, I have a question. Yeah. Is there not a list of criteria that every inspector has to follow as far as like every single thing that needs to be touched on? Yes. Okay. Depending on which association you belong to, you're going to work within a scope or a standards of practice. Yeah. Um, which is going to identify a lot of things that you have to do, mm-hmm. but it's not a list that you could physically just go and check off because it's very vague. Mm. Like you're going to identify the roof covering in a safe manner if you can see it, if there's not three feet of snow on it. Right. And you're going to try to identify the age of the roofing covering material and what its expected life expectancy should be and what the life expectancy looks like. Okay? Okay. So but generally, all inspectors have that same set of criteria. Yes. Okay. I would say if you're working under the umbrella of like the Canadian Association of Home Property Inspectors, which is the was the biggest, it, it's fading, I think, but mm. it was the biggest association... <sighs> In, in the province of BC, for that matter, that they had a standards of practice that you would follow. And mm-hmm. if you were in a legal situation, it would all come down to whether or not you followed that standards, right. if you met the standards, which is where a yep. lot of the problems come from. Because you, as a buyer, your standard of what the inspection should look like is gonna be different. Right. Because you, you, I mean, you want, you're paying someone to go evaluate the house, mm-hmm. you, you just want everything. You want all the data. You want all the information. So as a buyer, yeah. what does a great inspector look like? So that's a really good conversation to have. So I would say that the perceived best home inspector would be a builder. Okay? But okay. I would say that's purely perception. Because when you, if you were to phone around and, and call 15 home inspectors and say, what's your background? Somehow they all want to lean into X builder, X construction, X. So like, what is a builder? What's a builder today? What does he look like? Because I promise you in 1970, the guy who built a house built most of it. Right. But today yeah. you're just a trade. Yeah, so you're either a plumber and, yeah. mm-hmm. or you're a roofer or you're a framer right. or you're the gutter guy yeah. or you're the yeah. furnace guy. But never are you going to go and erect a house with like 
all those different subtrades. You're, you, you just couldn't be good and efficient and proficient Whatever. at all those individual trades. So today, really, a builder is like the general contractor. Right. Because don't you guys have lots of clients that say, oh, I don't need an inspector. My brother-in-law is yes. a builder. He's coming in and, and he's going through the house with me, right? Yeah. So there's the pitfall because let's put the builder's hat on. If you're a builder, your whatever trade that you're doing, let's say you're a framer mm -hmm. and the subcontractor. So you're, you're, I should say like, and the, the general contractor. So you're going to be looking at everything from a perspective of framing and mm -hmm. you're going to be relating everything to the current code. Yeah. Yes. And I'll give you an example. Right. Yeah. It is very well understood that you cannot toenail a deck to the side of a house. And I'll tell you what a toenail is. Basically, the, f the frame of the, the deck, let's say it's a two by 10, would go up against the house and toenail where you would just nail in on an angle to, to, to get into the, the sheathing of the house mm -hmm. and stabilize that one side. And then on this side, you'd have like a, a beam supported on a, a foundation footing, something like that. Yeah. It's really well understood that you can't do that today. But that's how every deck was built pre-1990, maybe. And I'm sure someone could find that that date's probably not accurate. But yeah. for an example, now, I've never seen a deck have an issue due to toenailing, ever. In my, and I did close to 7,500 home inspections in this city. So whether you're doing a home inspection, is that seen as a deficiency? Because there's, a, yeah. not, there's really not a performance deficiency, but it, because it's so well understood, a home inspector may be inclined to say, you should have joist hangers on this because that's the current requirement. Right. Yeah. So there, there's the problem is that you have information that's well understood by a consumer that's expected to be brought to their attention, but it's just not really valid information. Mm. And, and you're almost not doing your job if you don't bring it up. Right. Yeah. From a real estate perspective, like you just plug your ears when you hear that part, right? Because it's like, there's nothing wrong with this deck. It was built in 1960. And it's still and standing. And it's just working fine. <laughs> mm -hmm. And if you want a new deck, then maybe we should look at a new house. Yeah. Then you'll get yeah. all the new yeah. stuff, right? Because then that buyer is thinking they've got to replace the deck. Or components of the deck that if they're yeah. not familiar with what yeah. that entails, that could mm -hmm. be very overwhelming. Right. Right? Yeah. So, so one of the things that uh, buyers need to be aware of, if it is a 45-year-old house, it will have things that you find that as a home inspector, you have to tell them, like yep. the deck situation or, or other little things. Yep. But we have to understand and not freak out that we have so many issues with the place, right? Mm. Right. Yeah. And, and here's another good one. Um, in, in earlier days, we would have ungrounded plugs in yes. our bedrooms and our living rooms, okay? Mm -hmm. that, was totally, <clears throat> that was totally kosher back in, let's say, the 50s or 60s. And I don't even know if it's the 60s, but definitely the 50s. You would go into an old heritage house today, not a heritage house, but you know what I mean, like an older house, uh, 60 or 70 years old, and you would see those old plugs. Those are inherently unsafe because they're not grounded, right? Right. But it was code compliant to the era that it was built, just not today. So when do we define whether we have a safety issue that should be repaired or remediated yeah. 
compared to whether it's a functional issue of the era that it was built in. Mm. So I would say you, and that's not really gonna be in the scope of what they do. It's just not, it's gonna be based on the quality of your home inspection, right? Where they define, this is more of a safety issue. Like if you have kids in here and they're gonna have mm -hmm. electronics, maybe we should have grounded plugs in here. That's yeah. a big project to fix. Like it's gonna be yeah, a costly, yeah. costly project, right? Yeah. So yeah, I mean, that's just, I think that's a good example. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Where another example would be, and this is, a, this is gonna date again to older dwellings. A lot of times the dwelling was never even secured to the foundation. Whereas today you'd have studs that would put, get put in the concrete and your sill plate, that very first board that gets laid on the foundation is gonna be secured. And there's mandatory, mandatory securement every, whatever it is, eight or 10 or 12 feet. I can't remember exact numbers. In some of the really old houses, they just built it on there. Like it was literally just sitting. Sat on that. On mm -hmm. the foundation. Hmm. Now, unless you live in... So you can pick it up and move it wherever you want. That's easy. <laughs> you technically can. Right? I mean, there was other things that were sort of constructed that would sort of like, you know, make it like the, the main water line. And, you know, there's, right. there was yeah, things yeah. that you just couldn't. <laughs> but if you lived in, you know, the Midwest or something and you had a lot of tornadoes, you know, maybe that is why the house would shift off the foundation, right? <laughs> yeah. Whereas I don't know if it would here in B.C., and even dating back to like the 50s and 60s, I still think they would have some securement methods in that era, but, yeah. but definitely not older. Okay, so what, is a, what does a good building inspector look like? What's, what's your perspective? Um, someone that uh, gives you options, not necessarily says this is not right, but says this is the concern and these are your options. And so that way, the buyer can choose how comfortable they are with each, each options. That is okay. how I feel comfortable with, That's who I good, feel comfortable with. That's mm -hmm. a good point. And I would say that the term that would come out in my mind would be troubleshooting as opposed to just qualifying a deficiency. Yes. So, hey, the stairs are rotten. Where does that go from there? Like, does that yes. mean I need to change the exactly. deck? Does that, do I just change a piece of wood on the staircase? Mm -hmm. Like, can you do a little right. bit of troubleshooting to sort of figure out this isn't going to be like the end of the, the end of the world, yeah. but here's how, you know, now it's interesting because home inspectors are technically not supposed to give the remediation, um, the, the fix be, unless they're not, unless they're qualified. <laughs> so how do we, how do we know that? How do we know whether or not they are qualified to say this is what you need to do to fix it. Or here, here I, are your options. I would say it would be a really good idea to ask them when you're interviewing your home inspector what their qualifications are. How many buyers interview their home inspectors? I would say I've been interviewed when I was an inspector, mm -hmm. but very few. It's yeah. mostly just a referral. Right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, and it, that's vulnerable from a buyer's perspective because they're 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 hoping that their realtor, which they've created a relationship with in most cases, mm -hmm. is going to guide them in the right direction for choosing, you know, a, a, a proper certified guy or girl yeah. that's going to do a really good job for them. Right. I, I would say there is inspectors out there that wouldn't make good fits for certain people, but for other people, they would make yeah. good fits. Right? right. Yeah. Somebody who's not going to articulate all the details to like that 
personality type, that A personality, who, who maybe doesn't have a whole lot of knowledge with a house, that's, that spells disaster. Because they're going to... Had that. Had one of those. I'm sure we've all have. Mm. Yeah. Tell us about it. I, I had a client love the house. Um, it was actually, it was, it was uh, eight years old, I think. Yeah, eight years old. And uh, the inspector came in, went over everything and said, this sucks, this sucks, this sucks. You shouldn't swore by this house. End of story for my client. That was it. Well, that, wouldn't yeah. be a, that wouldn't be a quality decision based on how do you know what the perspective is from the buyer? If the buyer is living in a tent on the side of a highway and he's making his first purchase and it's nothing more than a rotten, termite-infested piece of lumber, he could be making the best decision yeah. given his perspective, yeah. right? Yeah. He's upgrading from yeah. tent to wooden structure, yep. even <laughs> though it needs work, right? Yep. But so that if, if you're the home inspector, you can't really qualify that decision based on the fact that you don't really know what the, what, what's going on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and, and how do you come back from that, right? Like, as, as a realtor, yeah. you don't. Right, like your client's like, nope, inspector said this house sucks, don't buy it. Yeah. Okay. I would be inclined to challenge the idea that it sucks and challenge the perspective of the buyer on what they thought they were going to... For sure. What they thought they were going to get. For sure, but they are looking at that inspector as the expert. Right. Right? But the word sucks is very broad. <laughs> it's you broad. have to give me some facts. You can't tell me this and this sucks. Yeah. Well, and they, like, they did, but still, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. If we were talking vacuums, <laughs> sucking is a good thing, right? Yeah. Um, Such a dad. <laughs> I think my kids probably mentioned that to me once. L let's talk about gadgets. Yes, I want to know if the best home inspector has the best gadgets or what am I looking for when they open their little briefcase and what do they have in there? Are they good? Are they bad? And what right. does it mean? I would say that, like, as far as gadgets are concerned, there's just a pitfall that can come from a particular gadget that would haunt me as an inspector, and that is the infrared scanner. Mm. which is the look at a wall and tell me if there's different temperatures in that wall, mm -hmm. which could indicate moisture. Yeah. And a tool that could be used and, and let's say in certain situations, it's, it's priceless. However, let's pretend we're looking at a 1960s house and we scan the sidewall to notice a huge temperature difference in the wall. Of course we assume water, but maybe it's just settled insulation and there's an insulation gap in the wall. You cannot define whether or not that's water or just a really cold area of the house. That would be a problematic time. And another situation would be um, a modular home, an older one that doesn't have an attic access and you're scanning the, the ceiling and you're getting like the plumbing stack penetrations, areas where there's definitely temperature change, 
and you cannot physically go in there and, and verify, is it insulation that's blown a little bit to one way, you know? Here's information that could be valuable in some aspects and not so valuable in others because it doesn't have a direct answer. Right. You know, mm -hmm. now that you're moving into your modular home that was built in 1972 and you're, you know that there's a, a, a temperature change in your ceiling, does that haunt you? If it's just a little bit of insulation that's moved and it's a little inefficient and you didn't know about it, it just would never bother you. Mm -hmm. But now you, you know about it. And I, the, the reason I say this is because I, I can remember people walking away from, from a, a manufactured home because you couldn't access the, the attic. There was no access available. And there was cold spots throughout that they just assumed were moisture leaks. Mm -hmm. And yeah. I, myself, and another inspector at that time, we'd have both agreed they were probably plumbing stacks, but because the buyer was like, can you 100% tell me for sure? No, mm -hmm. I'm out. And that was the end of it. And that's, I was like, okay, infrared, bad. In this situation, because it was like 99.9% .9 certain that it was just, you know, plumbing stacks, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure there's going to be a situation where it saves the day. Where I've never seen it physically, though, and we had infrared scanners in our artillery. But if you were scanning a section of wall and you, you saw, like, light discoloration, then you would need to take another step and troubleshoot further, not just mm -hmm. make the statement, potential moisture intrusion, and say the, the famous words of a home inspector, further evaluation is required. That's what they're supposed to say. Yeah. And realistically, that's what they're supposed to do. The, the problem is, is that there is no other person to do further evaluation. Very rarely is there someone who's going to, okay, the buyer says, okay, the home inspector says we need to evaluate this wall further. Does that mean... Asking for permission to cut holes to in the open wall. It, yeah. Seller's going to yeah. say, forget it. Yeah. Walk away from the deal. You're not cutting my walls down. Right. And I'll find a new buyer. Okay. That's not really fair to anybody. It's not mm -hmm. even fair to the buyer who's, you know, but if you can look and perceive a potential problem, maybe it's a window that doesn't have a flashing and it's directly below the window that you're seeing this temperature change, which could indicate water intrusion. That, that's troubleshooting as opposed to, um, yeah just you know, making a statement and then requiring more information. But I will tell you that if you're in front of a judge as a home inspector and you were the person that made the claim, you are liable. As opposed to being, you know, saying that yeah. further evaluation is required, you need to go find a better person than me, more qualifications to make a statement that you need to hear about X. Right, yeah. Well, that's kind of scary, hey? From how? Uh, for the inspector. For the inspector, I think it comes down to confidence. Mm. If, if you are confident in a, and, and you understand the mechanics of the house, you make the claim and you, you step outside of that scope of work and you decide from a business perspective, these people hired me to tell them something and I'm not just going to stay on the liable safe side. Right, yeah. I feel confident enough that I know what this issue is and I'm going to go step in, into the dirty world of being liable and make the statement. Yeah. And if you can't make that statement, then I don't believe from an outside perspective that you're confident enough, which maybe you're not the best home inspector. Right. So what does the right home inspector look like? Definitely someone who's confident. Um, 
I think if you are just in the industry of checking stuff, you're going to want as many gadgets as possible. Maybe you don't advertise them as like, I'm going to stick a moisture meter into all the walls in the house. Yeah. But a tool in your arsenal that you can say, I, I suspect an issue here. Now I'm going to go look at my infrared or my moisture mm-hmm. meter and scan. Yeah. Um, being able to troubleshoot certain situations um, as, as opposed to defaulting to like further evaluations required. Right. And being able to step in some, into the more of a liable situation, I think. Mm-hmm. That, that's my guy. The guy with the magnifying glass, you know, in the logo, <laughs> it's, he probably can't see. <laughs> so it's probably not the right guy. I can't tell you how many home inspectors have that guy, you know, in, within the logo, which I would question their ability to see. What are you looking at? With Why that? does he need a Why magnifying need glass? That? Yeah. yeah, but it does sort of um, give you kind of the illusion that, that they're looking at something that's hard to see. I think most of the issues that you see as a home inspector can be identified quickly and scalable. Like 90% of home inspections are going to be able to like scale the issues that you see very quickly. Mm. And maybe not to the degree of what is going to be entailed in fixing it, but to bring it into perspective, you know, 500, 1,000, 2,000. Yikes, this is going to be 5 to 10 to 20,000. Or this could be just a huge can of worms. Yeah. And yeah, I'm going to tell you an experience that I had. Um, it was a pre-sale home inspector that needed to be done because of other circumstances. And the home inspector said, as per the age of the house, this house may contain asbestos. Right. That was a huge cost because now this is something that the seller needs to disclose uh, because it's on this home inspector. It, it didn't necessarily mean it had, but mm. so now they had to go and do further testing right? because of this small comment that was disclosed by a home inspector that said, because of the age of the house. Right. It's a very litigious issue, as asbestos. Um, it's, I would say if you were to line up a hundred houses in Kamloops and you were just to like pick the average age, which would probably be 1970 built. I would say they all have asbestos in them. Yeah. But where that asbestos would be in each individual house, I wouldn't be able to tell you. Sometimes it's in popcorn. Maybe it's in the drywall. Maybe it's in the mud they used. Maybe it's in the conduit of the electrical wiring. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's in, you know, the, the one everyone's aware of is vermiculite insulation that has very minute, trace elements of asbestos but yet it is the poster child for asbestos yeah um there's flooring tiles that are pretty easy to identify that they're like nine inches by nine inches and you can make a pretty safe claim that there's going to be a good chance there's asbestos in it there is vinyl there's glue down products that were used that has uh, asbestos stuff in it um if you were to fast forward to 2005 six seven eight Canada went through a massive housing boom. Like if you were to look at new builds and we literally ran out of drywall and we were running out of drywall, Home Depot, Home Hardware, all the hardware stores were running out of drywall and they started bringing in uh, drywall from China, which is not somewhere where we typically import drywall from. 
And we later found that we had all kinds of toxic asbestos products that they were using recycled elements <laughs> in the drywall. So if you want to say the error of a home, if it was built pre to 2009, you could have asbestos in your home. So to, to blanket a statement is, yeah. you know, I really think it should be like an expectation of a buyer yeah. that they understand that the risk is going to go up the older the house is, but I don't think the risk is ever really safe because, you know, there's no way to tell if you have Chinese drywall in your, in your house. Yeah. Unless you have an access to the back of the drywall, like the inside of the wall, where yeah. it would say made in China. Mm -hmm. yeah. And if it is, even then you don't know because there's a good chance that it does have asbestos but doesn't necessarily always have asbestos. Yeah. So oh. <laughs> the asbestos question is, is I don't know, I don't know how yeah. to, you know, if you're walking down a street jogging and you're breathing in um, NOx, from diesel engines, yeah. that's cancer causing right there. Is you, maybe it's the same level of living yeah. in a in, you know in a house that has asbestos that really, if it's not touched and disturbed, it doesn't necessarily become airborne where we breathe it in, right. and that's the, you know that's the problem. Yeah. But if you're doing yeah. renovations, you know I, I don't know what the answer to that asbestos question is, yeah. but it's very very litigious in that if it was an obvious item and a home inspector didn't mention that there was the risk of asbestos, and the new buyer gets this explosion of information, oh, yep. they are definitely going to blame that home inspector. Mm -hmm. And even yeah. though in court that home inspector would win, that's just a process that nobody wants to go through. Yeah. yeah. Right? They're not, right. they don't have like the microscopic eye that you need to verify whether or not there's a asbestos containing components mm -hmm. of whatever building material yeah. you have. Yeah. And as far as like disclosing asbestos, you only have to disclose it if you know for a fact. So if you suspect an item has asbestos, if you want to do a proper disclosure, go get it tested. Yeah. But you're not disclosing, you know, no one's going to disclose that I have a house that was built in 1960. There's a radical chance that there's going to be asbestos in this house. Yeah but you should be aware that there probably is. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, what about personalities? <laughs> well, some go better with some clients, right? Absolutely. Yep. I, I would say that there's a huge factor going to be based on whether or not those people can clash together. Yep. And I would choose my go-to example for this would be young couple buying their first home, very ignorant on structures and mechanics of a house. And on home inspection day, we have maybe a couple of dads, right? Yeah. That really just truly have their kid's best interest in heart, but they are pulling out all the arsenals in their briefcase. Yeah. And where I've had issues in my experiences is the home inspector and the dads, the home inspector is trying to be realistic. The dads are just in a more father figure mode yeah. and they're, and they're clashing. Right. Yeah. And it becomes, it becomes an issue. I think that's a very careful hand that you have to play as a home inspector. And it's one that I quite enjoyed when I did that. And it was in an industry because I just knew what was coming. Yeah. You know, you'd see the second car pull up and the third car and it was two dads. <laughs> 
And it was like, <laughs> there's going to be a war to see who can find more stuff between those the two guys. The dads. <laughs> and as a home inspector, you're trying to keep everything relative. And these guys are on their own war path. Yeah. Right? To, and not in all scenarios, but in most cases, right? Yeah. Yeah. So that one would be a, a good personality, you know, where you'd have to be really careful about how you would dangle that. Yeah. But here's a good in, interesting question. In our industry, we're not allowed to refer home inspectors, technically. Like we're supposed to give out a list. A list, yeah. yeah. A list of one, two, three, I don't know. I think it's three. I think we're supposed to give a list of three. I probably should know this. It was probably on the exam. <laughs> I would be very careful about giving all of them out in fear that I know that there are some inspectors that really don't know what they're doing. And I would be afraid that every now and then one of those would get picked because mm -hmm. they were cheaper or they weren't as busy. Yeah. So I would definitely narrow your list if you were giving out, you know, yeah. names to a, an exclusive three, four, whatever. And then I would almost write from my perspective, this inspector works like this. This one is better at these scenarios, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And then here. And then educate your clients on how to interview them. Yeah. Don't ask them about the price because mm -hmm. the price just doesn't mean a whole lot when you're weighing in a four or $500,000 house compared right. Yep. to, right? Yeah. It shouldn't be price. Um, you know, it should be all the things we talked about. You know, yeah. do you have gadgets? What are your mm -hmm. experiences in mold or asbestos? Mm -hmm. yeah. What do you know about X or furnaces or hot water tanks? Mm -hmm. And what kind of troubleshooting are you going to do during the inspection? Is there going to be any sort of troubleshooting or is it going to be everything diverted to a further evaluation? So do you think that's something that as realtors, we should say, use these interview questions? Yeah. I'd Give even, that to them. I'd even throw a couple of weird ones in there, which would just isolate certain issues. Like as a home inspector, if you phoned and the first question out of your mouth was, are you insured? As a home inspector, I'd be like, I, you got the wrong number. Click. <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't want to, it sounds like you want to sue me before you even hire me. Before you start, yeah. <laughs> but I would almost be inclined to put, slip that question in there just to see how people would respond to it. Because if you got a good home inspector who's going to be able to communicate well, they should be able to deal with that question. They should be able to handle that in a very careful manner. Mm -hmm. That's a good idea. I think we should build a, how to interview a home inspector and give that to your clients. I think so. With like the it. list of, of uh, home inspectors. Okay, Emma. That's an Emma job. That's an Emma job. <laughs> <laughs> we'll come up with the questions. You create the nice looking paperwork with it. The paperwork, yeah. 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 Sounds good. Cool. Any, uh, any closing thoughts on this subject? Yeah, I think that was good. We covered lots there. Yeah. 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 Um, how about your like worst case scenario? Worst story ever. I think you already told My, us. Yeah, mine was, yeah. It sucks. Don't buy this. Don't effing house. buy this house. Right. My worst story, I don't think it was a worst story. I think it was uh, a good pick for the situation. I had a, a client buying an older home, and the home inspector was convinced... It's on the move. 
<laughs> this is real life, you guys. <laughs> there we go. Well, I'll start that story again. <laughs> uh, so I had an older... Life of a realtor. <laughs> Very busy. Uh, an older house, um, but the home inspector that we called to do the home inspection, he did not believe that the newer houses would build properly. Right. So it was a perfect match because this was an older house, but he would start his, uh, his conversation saying, I'm glad you're buying this older house because all the new stuff is built like poop. Right. <laughs> That's that old school personality thing, right? Like that. Yeah. They don't build them like they used to. Yeah, yeah right? exactly. Darn and Chevys are built tough today. They'll last forever. <laughs> but he talked really good about this house that uh, that obviously it has. It had his little things that obviously not up to 2018 code or whatever year we were in. Right. And uh, But he justified it all with this is good. Right. So. Mm. I would just caution the idea that... There is a committee of people that try to improve the construction of houses built. Yes. And the efficiency of that construction that have been full time jobs to make a better building code yeah. each and every year. Now, in different countries, I would totally agree. Like, yeah. could be anything out there. But definitely in Canada, our building code is improving for the usability of the house in its function, right? It's never, they're never like, I wonder if we could build a house using half as much wood. You know, I don't think that's the case. <laughs> Let's make it cheaper. Let's see if we can do it with a budget of lumber. Yeah. I, but I will say that in the older houses, materials like fir in construction would be a superior wood to today's spruce and pine, which is a cheaper product, but still holds up and it, it's not going to fall over. But if you are in Kamloops um, and you're buying a house that's made out of spruce or pine, which is pretty much all the newer houses, it's a little more termite um, as a higher risk. Yeah, it has a higher risk for termite. Whereas the older houses, which were built out of fir mostly, um, termite, impeachable, like just can't get in there. They, they have no ability to chew that wood because it's so, it's so much stronger. Mm. It's a harder... A harder wood. Huh. So when you're doing a custom build, ask for fur. Yeah. I don't even know if you could <laughs> afford to buy, to build a house with fur today. We just had a surplus of it, in, you know, in, in a lot of regions, and it was the superior wood product, right? Mm -hmm. But I'm going to take a newer house over an older one for the durability. Just saying. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. So I'm going to ask one more question. Do I have time? Absolutely. Um, termite inspection, the home inspectors, is that something that we're completely qualified or would you refer us to someone else? I would refer it to someone else. I don't know of anybody currently inspecting houses that is termite qualified. In Canada, to be termite qualified, there is no qualification process that I'm aware of. I took training out of the states because in certain states there are requirements because termites are a bigger issue. Mm. 
Okay. So there's like state guidelines and, and regulatory bodies and associations and scope of inspecting procedures. And the be- that would be the, the way to go if you were like a home inspector to do it. I would hope that a home inspector is really versed in termite. And that would be a good question to put on the... Th- yeah. I get you're not doing a termite inspection, but are, if you popped in, if you saw something that looked like potential termites, would you be qualifying that and asking for a further evaluation? Because there's only a couple of termite guys in Kamloops. Mm-hmm. And of those termite inspectors, I would strongly stick to one as like a termite guy. The other pest type guys have missed termites on dealings that I've been involved in, which has scary. Because mm. yeah. it is kind of a very yeah. costly remedial yeah. thing. But I don't think any home inspectors are certified currently okay. in any sort of manner. And I think the holdup is how do we ensure the home inspection company, if we're doing termite inspections, and there's no regulatory body? Like your insurance no, is going to yeah. be like, so what guidelines are you going to use? We don't really right. have any. Because yeah. yeah. termites are really not a big problem in BC. Yeah. But in, in our area, in Kamloops, Ashcroft, um, Savannah, those areas are really higher termite areas. Yeah. Once you get to Chase and Hefley and higher altitude, Lac Lejeune, no such thing. It's just very, it's a, it's a concentrated area, like small little area that runs along the river mm. and to some elevation, but not a lot. But good question. We should dive into termites in a podcast. Sounds good. Why don't we yeah. bring that termite expert in? Yes. Tom, that's a great yes. idea. I met There him. we go. Yes. Actually, we did. Didn't we have a conversation with Tom about doing a podcast? We did. Yeah. Yep. He stood us up. Oh. <gasps> we'll have to get him back in He was in busy. Here. Yeah. No, he's a good guy. Inspecting for termites. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, let's awesome. wrap it up. Thank you. No more interruptions from the cell phone. We'll... <laughs> We'll call it a wrap. Excellent.